you a fan of this podcast? Do you wish there was even more juicy content for you to sink your ears into? Well, there is. You can become a premium member of this podcast for $5.99 a month and get full access to an archive of over 50 bonus episodes. Additionally, we release a bonus episode every single month. That's a ton of extra content, including my personal interior design diaries, extra tips, my talking about trends, and so much more. Additionally, you'll be keeping us on the airwaves each and every week because your premium membership money goes directly back to making this podcast amazing. Check us out at affordableinteriordesign.com. Click on podcast to learn more and to become a premium member today. need a high-end designer or a lot of money to get a luxe look be your own interior designer with big design small budget here's your host betsy helmuth i am so excited to be joined by my guest this week susan simpson now if the name doesn't ring a bell i'm sure the voice will because (laughs) i am such a huge fan of susan simpson's Many of you may know Serial, the case uh, with Adnan Syed that not only really got me super intrigued in the justice system, but also began my love for podcasts. I had never listened to a podcast before that. And as soon as I finished listening to that, I was like, more podcasts, please. Then I started my podcast. Well, Susan was also listening to Serial, and she is an attorney who... You know, you can tell better than I can, but you started a blog. That blog got recognized by Adnan's aunt of sorts. Auntie. <laughs> yes, auntie, exactly. And now you have become one of the most famous lawyers I know. And that's not saying too much considering I don't know too many lawyers, but um, hey, I'll take it. <laughs> but you're amazing. And I am in such awe of what you have done for the Adnan Syed case and for what you are doing to exonerate people who are falsely imprisoned anyway. So I'm going to stop fangirling and I'm going to let you take over and tell us about yourself, Susan. Yeah, well, uh, like you, after some serial, I somehow ended up in my own podcast. Um, I do undisclose with Rabia, who is the sister of Anand's best friend, and Colin Miller, who is a law professor in South Carolina. And after we covered Anand's case, we've been covering other wrongful convictions ever since. Um, and as part of that, I ended up doing a panel at a CrimeCon, what, last year? Yeah. Yeah. And ran to Betsy. So ran into. Yeah. So after her panel, I went into the hallway and there she was like some kind of celebrity just standing there. I think she was talking to Colin. And, you know, the thing about Susan that I think is so fabulous is that is this your superpower? I'm not sure. Combing through the minutiae, the details of the case to find those little snafus, to find those issues that were truly pivotal in cracking open some of the holes in this case. Yeah, that's uh, so often with wrongful convictions, you just have detectives who are not necessarily, they're not intentionally doing wrong. What they're doing is they've decided on the case already, they've decided their suspect is, and they go forward on that theory, which means there's a lot of stuff they've overlooked along the way. And that has been something 
I focus on in my work on these cases is to figure out one, how they're convicted and two, what, where's the evidence that shows that this did not go down the way the state's claiming it did. Well, and that big one, the AT&T cover letter. So guys, if you were ever fans of the Adnan Syed podcast serial, you've got to listen to the first season of Undisclosed where they find the issue of the AT&T cover letter. For those of us who are fans of the case and follow it and really care deeply. I think that that was just, that was the moment my jaw dropped when I was listening to Undisclosed the first season. Well, what is definitely not one of my superpowers is um, design and art, to put it kindly. Perfect segue. (laughs) Perfect segue, Susan. So yes, so I ran into you at CrimeCon. I was so excited. I felt so grateful that you had combed through hours and hours of work on this case pro bono, just because you were interested and you believed in his innocence. And I was just like, what can I give back to this woman who has done so much for someone she didn't know? So I was like, well, my only superpower is picking up pillows. Maybe I can do that for Susan. Maybe she needs pillows. So I said, Susan, I would love to offer you a complimentary virtual design package because I'm just so in awe of everything that you've done to further his case. And luckily you took me up on it because I really want to give back and... It's the limited way I know how. So, we And have- it turns out, I did not know it, but I extremely needed your services um, because, I mean, I've made it this far in my life somehow uh, until recently, like never actually having to make any furniture pur- purchases that count. I mean, I've got the Craigslist stuff. I've got like, oh my God, I need a table. Go to Craigslist, get one and be done. But until like, oh, two months ago, I never actually intentionally purchased furniture like as part of the plan. Um, we also just moved part of it. I've been in a one bedroom place. I'm my you know, my grandparents were actually that I inherited. And we moved to a new place and suddenly the couch I hated had to go and we had all this room. So I was like, Betsy, help me out. Well, and I think this is a really common scenario. I mean, you are a successful professional. You are a ninja in your own field. And yet you're living in a space that feels a little dormtastic or like everything was kind of found objet, nothing feels cohesive. Why is this? And I see it so many times with my clients. So you are not alone. Don't feel bad. But it is time to start adulting. Design it is. Adulting. It is. I really, I have, well, spoiler, I now have an adult space. And I, it's, it makes me so happy to have a place that's actually not dormtastic. And yeah, I am way too late in life to finally hit that milestone, but I'm glad I'm here. (laughs) So you live in an apartment in Washington, D.C., and we did the virtual package. But, you know, even after people have worked with us, even after they've gotten the high-level concepts, they've gotten all those main pieces, they've put them in just the right place, which you have done, and that is no easy feat, there are still some lingering questions. So you had some lingering questions, and I can't remember which of us um, said, let's solve them on the podcast, these design crimes. Let's solve them together, Susan. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes, there's currently, well, it's less of a design crime than was before, but there is a one uh, remaining spot that's a bit suspect. There's a few minor infractions. Wall. I yes. think you see some and I see a couple. Uh, let's oh, start. I'm sure there's tons of stuff I'm not seeing. And I know I, there's a couple things that I know are breaking your rules. Sorry, Betsy. I did it anyway. Well, I will I, say, okay, do I get credit though for like mostly following the rules? I, I feel like I do. Well, I think it is very difficult. I give clients <laughs> design plans all the time. And you know, it's easy to 
prescribe the different ingredients. Easy to say, easy to say, buy this, buy that, get this, put it here. But it is actually hard to make it happen, to open every box, to unroll the carpet, to put the rug pad down, to make sure that the credenza didn't have a scratch and then return it. Oh my there- God, that Pottery Barn, I'm still fighting Pottery Barn. Yes. They didn't give me the full lamp and like it's been, I don't even know what to do at this point. I've given up. I like knit, like jury rigged it. So I think that's kind of how that lamp's going to be from now on. <laughs> Well, yeah, you have to fight tooth and nail to actually get it done. And people don't realize, I mean, that's how we stay affordable and stay nimble is because we only execute 10% of the designs we create. The other 90%, the clients have to execute. And that's where those little questions come up. So I'm so glad that you wrote me and I can't wait to tackle these. What's the most pressing question? I'm sitting here staring at your beautiful space featuring peacock blues and mustard yellows with gray and walnut tones. So what can we what can we fix here? So I guess the starter one is that that table. So you picked out a coffee table that I did love, um, but it was not going to get delivered for a long time. It actually came in like last week. Um, so it's here now. But in the meantime, past two months, I need a coffee table. So I got one for 100 bucks on Craigslist. And I've kind of fallen in love with it. So... Oh. Well, let's talk about it. Okay. Uh-oh. What's so wrong with it? I'm glad one of us has fallen in love with it <laughs> because it's a little, from what I can see, you know, I'm just working off of pictures. It's a little bit high for the sofa. Typically, the coffee table within would be within two inches of the height of the seat of the sofa. This looks a little bit higher than that. I typically Probably, like it when yeah. the coffee table is at the same height or a little bit lower than the seat of the sofa. Also, you mentioned in your email that you thought it was good feng shui that you had now incorporated glass because I was kidding because I was failing that test before. So I'm like, at least it passes that test. And you're close, close but no cigar (laughs) because you're right in that every room should incorporate all the major elements, wood, stone, metal, glass. But um, with a coffee table and a glass coffee table that is, it looks like square or rectilinear on a white pedestal base. it's actually not great feng shui if you're entertaining because when you're putting a glass down, a cup down, the noise that it makes is kind of frightening. And so you have a hard time relaxing. That's the same reason huh. why, according to feng shui, they don't like you to have glass dining tables. So when you put your silverware down, when you put the cup down, each time it's making this noise that makes you feel less zen. Interesting. Also, I happen to know from working together, you filled out my design style questionnaire and gave me a little intel into what you like to do. And you love to craft. And this coffee table has no storage. I mean, I do love the fact that you could spritz it off with Windex or whatever. So if you got Mod Podge yeah, that's on it. pretty nice. <laughs> yeah. So that is a nice bonus, but it's not going to store, you know, that yarn, those collage magazines uh whatever so i realized actually uh way i operate i'll tend to like leave stuff there like for you know overnight so i kind of like having that because now i have to like move everything to get underneath there to get the storage stuff plus actually with what you've done i've got like a shit ton of storage for once in my life so i'm not really feeling a need there which is definitely the first time i've ever had to say that well i think i could be okay with this coffee table it's just the height that's really bugging me it's the height. Yeah. All right. Well, well I will I will look around some more and debate which one to put there. But it's a good it's point of the height. It's so stylish. I mean, there is a reason they were – I do see now kind of this gold inlay. It's got brass inlay on it okay, and this marble brass. underneath. So 
I was like, there's brass and marble elsewhere in the room. Let's go with that. Well, I'm not like hating it. But it's just not quite correct. It's, it's not quite right. Yeah. And you had mentioned that now that you put it all together, because the coffee table I had recommended was circular, you'd mentioned that maybe you think a circular wouldn't be as ideal now that you've gotten it in the space. But I would just, what we had to do for your space, because it was so large, which is an awesome problem to have, is we had yeah. to float that sofa. We had to take it off the wall and move it more essentially into the space. And when we did that, you know, you get to choose how far the sofa is from the TV. And you have wiggle room to scoot that back a little bit. Yeah, I think I'm going to, that, that, well, that brings to the next question, which is the wall behind the floating couch and the credenza. That's right. So be, when you're floating a couch into the center of the space, you are left with negative space behind the couch that you need to do something with. Now, you don't always have to have a sofa table to conceal the back of the sofa, but a lot of people do choose that. And for you, we gave you a credenza. I like mine, yeah. Yes. I love that one, so... We gave you a credenza that you can use in lots of different locations in different spaces, whether it would be a future TV stand, a future buffet for a dining area, or even a future entry console. But in this case, it can be storage for your crafts, it can hold some books, and it can fill some of that negative space behind the sofa. But you were mentioning that there's still too much negative wall, space. wall, right? Am I, am I wrong about that? Well, one of the things that you had circled, which is very helpful here in your picture, is you'd circled some... eyesores I don't even know what the hell is going on there it's like four or five like patched up former like I I don't even know what they are but they're 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 there they're hanging out a whole bunch of archaic outlets right maybe one is an old phone jack maybe one is an old cable hookup but we're not even putting the tv there and it's not an organic place to put anything else in terms of a TV, and you have no functional need for it. So that negative space behind the sofa, we do have the sofa table slash console behind there. But then we have a good five-foot swath before we hit that wall that has the weird outlets. And there's no real function we can put back there. You have a separate dining area, and plus it would be pretty tight. Mm -hmm. It is in a walkway because you have a patio with a sliding door also behind there so we don't want to gum up that walkway yeah and, if you and we to- do use that space actually so i don't want like i, I like having the space there it's just i want that blank spot covered up so it's real okay because i was misunderstanding then so basically you just want to cover up those outlets what do you or use that yeah. space for is that for like yoga what are you doing back there? um i mean the cats like to hang out there the cats get treats there they do tricks there like it's just kind of like an, a big empty space where we can move around that's right. One, for those of you who don't listen to Undisclosed, Rabia <laughs> and Susan are cat ladies, um, and they love their cats, and cats definitely feature prominently in these after pictures, which I love. Pets are the best accessory, uh, followed closely by plants. Uh, so, yes. Um, so, plants, though. That was my kind of fallback idea. If I just put plants there, is that like breaking any rules? No, it's not. Okay. Uh, functionally, there's nothing to really put back there. You had put a bench back there, and I think that's interesting. That was just to block it. <laughs> if you were coming in from that patio door with umbrellas, if people were taking off their shoes, if somebody was actually going to sit there to do something. Otherwise, I wouldn't just put a bench to block it. Yeah. Uh, and I do like the idea of doing some kind of um, – plant stand that's maybe more elongated because I can see you have plants and planters sprinkled throughout the room Mm -hmm. but maybe something with smaller plants that's kind of a plant stand that is three to four feet wide oh interesting 
and then could have varying heights. It kind of fits with your mid-century style to do something retro like that. Mm-hmm. And there's really good ones. West Elm used to have some really good ones. I also love Grandin Road for their plant stands. And Ikea, believe it or not, has some good elongated multi-pot plant stands. Well, that would be about perfect. So I've got a bunch of little plants hanging out elsewhere that don't have a home right now. Mm. Um, I was thinking bigger plants there, but if it's little ones, I mean, I've got the, some like little aloe plants and whatnot, and there's so much light there. That, That's right. Yeah. Well, and contrast is king. You've already used several mid-sized plants. I can see three just in a couple of these pictures. And we don't want to continue more mid-sized plants because we've already checked that box, right? So like now for giant-sized plants. That's right. But yes. that area, you know, the other thing you want to think about is that area is quite rectilinear. And mm-hmm. a giant-sized plant is typically circular. Yeah. And so this is a rectilinear space that needs a rectilinear solution. And that's why I'm recommending that horizontal plant stand that's elongated to better the, the, fill the, the space. The wall stuff isn't very high, so it wouldn't need to be very high to cover that up either. That's right. Those outlets are at outlet height. It will be easy awesome. to mask those with a type of plant stand. Well, that is perfect. So I will be doing that. And now it's time for a quick commercial break. Do you love this podcast? Do you wish you could learn even more? Well, we have an online class bundle. Our online class bundle is comprised of three online classes, Beautifying Your Home for Less, Styling Your Home, and The Fundamentals of Feng Shui. Each one of those three classes is between 30 and 45 minutes long and chock-filled with visuals and tips, things that will help you to style your own space or help out with other spaces. Additionally, with the pack of three classes, you get an autographed copy of my book, Affordable Interior Design. You get all of that for only $99. Once again, that's the three online classes as well as the book for only $99. You just go to affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes. Once again, affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes to buy your bundle today. And if one of those classes sounded intriguing, but maybe you already have my book or some of the other topics are not of interest, you can buy the classes individually at that site as well. Each class is $40. So head over to affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes to get your bundle or your online class today. Now, while we're talking about heights, this was the main offender. When I saw these pictures, Uh-oh. I wanted to give you two thumbs up. I wanted to give you a standing ovation because you also did the transformation very quickly. But your art heights are crazy. Like, what's going <laughs> I on? knew that. So the, okay, well, the, the one, we'll start with the, the one on the, that blank wall. Where should that yes. one be? So above the outlets, you have hung a picture of a bird. And I love how it works well with the colors in the room. I love the size it's pretty big uh, but it needs to be from the floor to the center of the piece 60 inches because it's not above a piece of furniture so you want to hang it at museum height optimum height for everyone to see best and in the united states from the floor to the center of the piece it should be 60 inches because it's too high it's way too high oh my gosh okay okay cool yeah and your other picture the other one is there for a reason and it's because there's a big old square splotch that they didn't paint for some reason all right well now you know it's kind of like when you get a zit but you've got mm-hmm. a date or something and so you cover the zit with a yeah, band-aid that's exactly what thing yeah. is. you're covering your zit with a big old band-aid and i'm actually seeing the zit more now <laughs> yeah 
I would remove the Band-Aid because it's really high. I mean, that one's like, yeah. what, six inches off the ceiling? Yeah. And I think I'm being generous. It, it, it's, it's freaking The top the top, top part of it's covering that, that big square splotch of like dark gray. So that's what it's, it's absolutely a Band-Aid. And it, I knew you wouldn't like that. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't. And what I could see, because that other picture, I'm just guesstimating, but I'm guesstimating that these are 30 by 40 inches horizontal. They're both subject matter birds. Uh looking at prey <laughs> but they're really cool and i love that they work well with the palette i would see putting them on a diagonal on that wall above the outlets because that one picture is really not big enough okay to service that entire wall so i think a diagonal would be more appropriate and people ask me betsy you know which one goes lower which one goes higher so generally, when you enter a room, you want your eye to step up. So the lower pieces would be first on the approach, and the higher pieces would be oriented towards as you're walking in the room. So do you mean like like directly diagonal, like overlapping diagonal, or like? Well, I think these would be side by side. One would not be above the other because they're both okay, pretty big. Nothing. It looks like the white bird is slightly bigger than the... No, no, same size. Oh, just... Same size. Okay, just different perspectives on the pictures yeah so I would tend to do them side by side but have the blue bird slightly higher than the white bird and the reason I did it that way let me just circle back here is because the white bird even though it's white the background is very dark it's darker which means it's visually heavier right than the blue bird that has the light background so the, yes. the lighter toned background feels like a lighter piece in general, which makes it feel more organic to put it up higher. So what do I do with that zit? You're going to have to Find paint, the paint that zit. That's right. God, and, how do I know what paint they I, It's a rental, so I don't actually even know what paint's supposed to go there. Well, the paint has faded over time, so it doesn't actually matter what color paint they okay. used because it will still look like a patch job if you bring in that same can of albescent from Benjamin Moore. What I'd like you to do is go to the Benjamin Moore store, and that's where most people buy their paint. So chances are they got it there anyway. And pick some paint swatches, you know, those long cards that will show you several different tones that you think are in the right family and try to get as close as possible. Then what I would recommend is that you not just paint that little patch, or it might be a big patch. I can't tell because that's a big bird. Yeah. It's like maybe almost a foot each way yeah but I would recommend painting that entire wall because okay. even if it is a little bit off from the other walls you couldn't tell from the yeah it's just it's that patch that's right so that's gonna be a four-hour job maybe three but then you won't see the patch you won't have the freakishly high flying bird <laughs> and you know when you are seated on your couch that's kind of the direction you're looking in unfortunately it is getting a lot of attention yeah so you sh- that wall blank, no art? No art. Okay. Because it's already got some issues with a big vent at the bottom, with the nest yeah. device. We don't want to draw attention to something that's already visually cluttered with things that aren't interesting. Okay. Yeah. So we're just going to let that recede into the background. Well, I will find some paint eventually and fix that. But yeah, no, I, I, <clears throat> I knew that, that bird was too high. The other one, I thought, seemed just, I don't know, kind of right sort of area, but... Uh, I could at least tell that one is uh, breaking mini rules. Yeah, they're flying way too high. And once you do it the diagonal, you're going to have to 
redo the math that I told you. So basically the center point of both pieces, the lowest point and the highest point of the other bird would be at 60. Man, some algebra shit going on now. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to ask you to do it like a quick diagram make sure I got that right and I will move those birds. Right, right. Or, you know, you can um, hold them up, take a couple of pictures and I can let you know or you can give me, I think I already have the measurement of the wall. Give me the exact measurements of the bird and I can drop it in. But, um, but yeah. Then cool. I think it's really going to fill that wall beautifully. I would probably even recommend that you get the plant stand first. Yeah, I'd figure because out where that's going to go. Then we'll see where the negative space is. We'll see which one you went with. I think that's typically, I always start with all the furniture first. I don't hang the art till the very end. Well, that will be what I do. Um, there's also a new question since when, when you first designed the room. Yeah. My husband may be getting a work from home position. Oh. So he may be moving out his desk from that room. Great. I love it. So what do I plop there? So as you guys know, we floated the sofa in the center of the room and then behind the sofa, but off in the corner, not directly behind, but at a diagonal, we put his desk because we don't want people looking at it when they're seated on the sofa. It could kind of be tucked away. When you first walk in, it's kind of in a corner over there. It's a terrible desk. He's emotionally attached to it, but it's a terrible desk. (laughs) It's a sentimental piece that is, is not stylish. Um, so now you're going to have a big empty space, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, this is a living room and I would first think about what functions do we need? It needs to be something that can fill the space, but nobody's going to sit back there. That's basically the naughty corner, right? I can't see the person (laughs) on the couch. I can't really see the TV. It's very far. I'm just excited. It's the cat timeout zone. The cat timeout zone, or it's a perfect place for some. Now, I've only seen like two of these because otherwise a stylish cat tree is an oxymoron. But there's like a couple of them that are really neat. Oh, that's an interesting idea. But this is a big area. And I feel like a cat tree might too closely mimic the um, plant stand in terms of those branches and landing pads. I would be more inclined to do a bookcase. Like an open, what's what's the, etagere or something? Well, etagere typically doesn't have a back. It's typically just shelves that maybe don't even have okay. sides and they hold tchotchkes. And you've already got floating shelving on yeah, the same well, wall as I'll the TV. Yeah, well, I'll finally get around to unplugging that one and taking it down. I just kind of... You know what? I don't mind them. Oh, so really? when I first saw the floating shelving that was in the brick, you know, my first reaction was, let's take it down. This is it. a rental. You didn't make that choice. And I don't love floating shelves. But once you put the whole room together, I think they're kind of interesting. Okay. I would leave those. (laughs) And instead, I also want something bulkier back there because right now it's housing a four foot desk, which has a depth. I mean, you just have a lot of space. Okay, so more weight there. More visual weight. So maybe it could be a wide bookcase. Maybe it could be a bar, but you don't need that. We already have too many bars. <laughs> it could be, that's a, that's a really good problem. Uh, it could be a leaning mirror. We need something with gravitas, but you don't have any function for that space. So I basically have to fill it with something that could look like it's providing a function because this wall is massive. Yeah. And reflecting the light on this side could be an interesting choice. Or I could get like a giant T-Rex statue. Hmm. That might go well, there. I think you should continue with the bird theme, frankly. <laughs> <laughs> get a pterodactyl instead. Yes, there we go. Uh, but yeah, 
I'm open and sometimes, even though this is such a big area that it could look conspicuously empty, sometimes I like to have an empty zone where I can evolve. You guys just moved in. Right now, your needs are shifting because he may be working from home. I think you're going to find a use for it in time. I don't love to fill something just to fill it. Fill it. So, so like the space behind the couch, like I didn't anticipate using it when we do use it. Um, but we are now because it's there. So that kind of makes sense just to see how we end up naturally hanging out in those places and go from there. Well, and that made me think of something, actually. If you wanted to, you could spin that credenza that's now essentially a sofa table. You could spin it and put it on that wall where the desk was currently mm. and put a significant piece of art above that. Now... You know, that wall still is empty. I don't like it. I don't like it. I think yeah. it just caused a couple of problems. Because, you know, the other thing that I like to think about and the other problem, quote unquote, with this room is that everything is at that three foot high level. Yeah. What we're looking for is that contrast. We don't want all medium sized plants and we don't want all medium sized furniture. We do need some pieces that have some height so that your eye visually undulates around the room. Now, you do have the floor lamp behind the sofa, which is helpful to add some height. But I think a bookcase, I think a leaning mirror, something that will draw our eye up over there feels pretty essential. Now, okay. I have a question. That lamp in the corner that <laughs> under the bird yeah where'd that come from uh ebay yeah yeah okay so it's a photographer's lamp which is on a tripod base and has a very directional bulb meaning that there's no shade and it will give kind of a spotlight effect versus giving you know ambiance in terms of that filtered lighting uh the reason i don't like it is because it's brown and the brick behind it is brown and the floating shelves on the brick are brown mm. and it's just like brown town. And then you've got the bar stools on the pass-through that are also like a brown, it's not a tripod, it's a quad pod base. It's just really bugging me. Can huh. we move it? I can move it. Anywhere. 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 I'll yeah. move it to that blank spot if the desk goes. Well, no, I, I don't want it in this room. <laughs> Oh, oh, you move it anywhere, not here, yeah. in, in the good room. Yeah, there might be a closet it would look good in. <laughs> That's my nice way. So, you know, the reason we got it is because it looks like a submarine light. So the reason we got it had nothing to do with design whatsoever. And More to do with submarines. Well, and I yeah. actually like these lamps and have recommended these lamps in certain circumstances. For some reason, I just had a very strong reaction to it in this room. And I can't quite explain it. Speaking of strong reactions, <laughs> see, you find little details in cases, and I find little details in rooms that I just <laughs> want to pick apart until I can understand what was the motive. Um, but in this case, I think the motive was um, just a lack of understanding cool. because the bar stools at the pass through lip, we need one more. Another bar stool? Yeah. Now, were they sold as a set of two? I cannot remember. I think so, though. Because it looks like there's too few. And based the mathematical measurement for that is the length of the peninsula, the <laughs> length of the bar, the length of the overhead, or I'm sorry, overhang. You divide it by 18 to 22 inches, and that's how many stools you should have. So if we, if we use there's the There's way more math in design than I thought there'd be. It's all math. It's all math or geometry. And... 
it's kind of what I love about it. And I didn't even love math, but it's all math. It's all numbers, proportions. It's easy math, but uh, yeah, it's all math. Now, any other questions for me? You had a rug question. Oh, yeah, that, that the rug of lies. The rug of lies. So you ordered something online. This is a common tale of woe. Please share it with our, our listeners. Well, there's that big blank spot that we hang out on. We wanted, I wanted to rug there because that's where we're I'll sit in the floor there sometimes. So, you know, a rug sounded good. And I did not have Betsy's guidance. So, I, you know, I was going alone. Like, I got this. I have learned much from Betsy. I, I totally got this down. And I decided yellow. That could be wrong. I'm not not going to sum right there. But yellow is what I decided. So I looked for a yellow rug online. And I found one pretty cheap that was, a, I thought, a goodish size. And it was yellow and pretty simple. Kind of, it probably doesn't match at all. But in my mind, it could have matched so I ordered it, and I'm like, okay, cool, I have a yellow rug here. I get it. The thing is, like, it's white. The whole yellow thing was just a ruse right by it. It's really hard to tell online exactly what you're going to get. You really want to read reviews, and if there are no reviews, you really want a write, want to write a review. When you get you're like, don't buy this rug if you want a like yellow this. rug. That's <laughs> right. You want to spread the word and be like, this rug wasn't yellow. You know, I think of it as karma because I read so many reviews <laughs> and they really help guide my decision making for my clients that whenever I have a free minute, I go online and write like 10 reviews of just random things I've used recently just to put that energy back out there. So if you go on these websites, you'll see little affordable interior design reviews because I like to put that good review karma out there. But yes, you got duped. This is not a yellow rug. And I wouldn't have even gone with yellow. You okay. say, I didn't have Betsy. I'm right here. I'm just a <laughs> podcast away, Susan. Um, the reason I wouldn't I have done it. you close to the sun. I thought I knew the rules. I tried to do it myself and I was not ready yet. Well, here's a little rule for you. The reason I wouldn't have done yellow is because your floors are kind of a honey. They're sort of a yellowish stain. And your walls are a cream which can look a little bit yellow, especially because this area is flooded with sunlight. That's why the cats love it so, so much. You would want to cool this area down with a cooler tone. So this is the time to use that peacock blue. Okay. So more. I was thinking like the rule would be like, don't have more blue. There's a lot of blue already. So the rug I got was not the one Beth suggested. It was similar-ish, but it's much more bright, which is my I weakness it. when it comes to this. Oh, really? Okay. Because yeah. yours was much more mature looking. <laughs> I love this one. I was actually very excited by this one, and I'm glad you went with it. Yeah, so I was thinking I have one bright blue rug. Don't add another bright blue rug. Well, I would pull one blue from this because what you want to do is you don't – this rug is what they call these days like a vintage Persian-inspired rug. It looks like a Persian rug that is old and vintage, but it is not. And then what they call it is over-dyed. So they've over-dyed it or dunked it in a vat of dye. That's just what it's supposed to look like. Uh, that is teal or blue. And what has happened is you actually get variations of that teal and blue. And then there's also threads of this rich mustard. Now, I would play with one of those blues because there's kind of a more royal blue. And then there's a more tealy peacock tealy greenish that's right so i would choose one and i would use that for the rug behind the sofa and i would ideally choose something that has a different scale of pattern so this has kind of a lot of frenetic detailing going on so i might choose something that's more of a geometric trellis something that's a totally different energy in terms of visual pattern so that they don't compete 
But also, you can't really see one while you're on the other. Like when I'm sitting on the couch, yeah. I can't really see them. If you're walking in, one. you can see them both. Otherwise, you can't. Right. Um, so I'm not so worried about it. But I just wouldn't want it to look like it matches the one that you already have okay. in large format. So use one of the colors, but don't match it beyond That's that. right. Yeah. Yeah. And then go now, with Now, what like, shape, though? Well, you here we go so you have a rectilinear space and it's strongly rectilinear so you would not put a circle inside a rectangle you would be left with too much negative space on either side you would design laws like they they codified that somewhere the design gods i've codified it in affordable interior design my (laughs) new book that came out in february i'm sure everyone has a copy by now but if you don't go to affordableinteriordesign.com uh but yes for 14.95 you will learn that whether it's a rug whether it's a dining table whether it's a plant as we just talked about if it's a rectilinear space it needs to be a rectilinear or oval object that you put inside if it is a square space it can be a circular or square object that you put inside but the square would be on a diagonal so if you had a square dining room you would use a circular dining table in that situation or you would use a square dining table on a diagonal Okay, so stick with rectilinear and... That's right. So you would do a runner style. And it's going to be even narrower than this one is because you're going to have that plant stand. And I would not want the rug to be half on, half off the plant stand because I don't want wibble wobbling of those aloe plants. Yeah. Okay, so a runner style, that would fit there pretty pretty easily, I think. That's right. And it would go in between the credenza and the front of the plant stand. Now, if you wanted to go crazy, and most renters do need to go crazy and put uh, carpet on 80% of their floor. But if you did want to go crazy, that area that's being vacated by your husband's desk, Mm -hmm. if we were to draw a line around it, basically from the opening of the hallway to where the end of his desk is now, that may be somewhat of a square. And if it's a square, I can do a circle? There you go. All right. You could put a cute little circular rug over there, and then you could put some kind of wacky cat tree on top or something else. I sure wish you needed, like, I don't know. You don't need anything. You have so many rooms. I know. It's amazing. I went from, like, a really tiny space before to this big space, and, like, it's it's amazing. Yeah, because I But really... also now I have stuff I, like, before it was always, like, I can't add anything more at all because there's nowhere literally for it to go. Now it's, like, there's tons of space. Where is it going to go? Right, right. Now that can be, that can be a problem. But like I said, we don't have to solve every issue. We can leave some issues unresolved, and you know they will reveal themselves over time. And that's what that's I would the good do. Part of design law, at least, like there are these rules that you have to follow, but like there's no requirement. Like right now, the second you fix it. That's right. But I am so impressed with what you have fixed right now this second. Before we sign off, are there any other questions that I didn't answer? Um, I'm sure if you went to my house, you'd be like, Susan, you have like 100 questions you should be asking me right now. (laughs) Well, based on these pictures, I think you've done an amazing job. I actually expected a little bit more of a challenge on my rules, but you've really bent to my will and I'm so impressed. Yeah, mostly. Uh, so, like, my instinct for anything is just to add tons of color. Like, my home office, which Betsy will never be able to see ever because she would not be my friend anymore. Um, <laughs> I have just put all time, like, it's, it's like, a, like a unicorn exploded. <laughs> and I'm fine with that because only I see it. So, for the living room, it is still bright and colorful. And I was, I tend to go for, like, the bright, like, turquoise couch, like, instinctually. 
Um, but Betsy convinced me successfully that having the gray couch and chair is the way to go. And I did it. It still looks all bright and cheery. Yeah, that foundation of neutrals is something that you can build upon. You can layer your color. You will not feel like you're missing out. FOMO. It doesn't feel gray, and it's very gray. Yeah, Roy G. Biv FOMO, I call that. But <laughs> um, I have. I have constant Roy G. Biv FOMO. <laughs> I want to have that rainbow whatever. Yeah, so I am also a recovering Roy G. Biv FOMO addict, and my customers, my clients have beat me down over time. Betsy, I don't want to use that much oh. color. Betsy, what are you doing with that much color? If you walk into my living room, it's like a stoplight. It's red, yellow, and green, and it's pretty bright like that. Um so I myself have to tone it down because the thing, the problem that that creates is that it's not sophisticated. It's fun, it's lively, it's vibrant, but it's very hard to make that rainbow explosion sophisticated. Yeah. And that's why I have to even temper my own work. Uh, some of my designs are not as sophisticated as my other designers because I love to go bold. I love to be a little bit crazy with my patterns. I used to have a philosophy or rule that you needed to have one very ugly thing in every room. I have since like that. My, that's my lamp. That's the lamp. <laughs> that's the lamp. And it's maybe also that strange um, reindeer in the background on the credenza, which I didn't bring up, but I can't quite stop you looking know, my, at him. You know, my brass animals... <laughs> You have to fight for me. Yeah, I was going to say, I think I see another brass animal on the Oh, there's like four table. of them, like, scattered around. You know, whenever you have a collection like that, it's safety in numbers. You should group them instead. Because sprinkled okay. around, they look cluttery. And together, they look so cohesive. Make an army of brass animals. And together, their might will, like, balance out their whatever's wrong with them. Well, and that way, if you choose not to see them, like I might if I came over for a cocktail at one of your mini bars, I could just not look in that direction. It's not like yeah, they're Yeah, if you everywhere. come over, I'm moving that deer in front of where you're sitting. <laughs> well, it has been such a delight talking to you. It's been such a delight getting to know you because I've been such a fan for so long, so in awe of your talents that it's so fun to have you be interested in my talents. And it has been really interesting. I mean, I'm still pretty terrible at it, as those pictures show. But for me, it's been really interesting to try to learn a field that's so far afield from anything I know. And to like learn the basics of it. And Even vice versa. I often disagree with them. <laughs> <laughs> and vice versa. And I try and disagree with the law and the things that you guys talk about on Undisclosed. And, you know, there's just no getting past certain... Oh, certain... I know I'm wrong about the design. I'm just going to keep being wrong just the odd things yeah (laughs) no 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 and that's your prerogative that's what makes your home your special home now speaking of the law speaking of undisclosed i think you guys just started a brand new season is that right we did so amelia who uh was involved in our freddie gray series a couple years back is doing covering the case of uh keith davis if you've not heard of it it's another baltimore case he is about to go up to trial again uh probably this summer uh it'll be his fifth trial in the wow. past couple of years because they keep trying to convict him and keep getting a hung jury and they keep on trying. So it is a fantastic uh, series, an awful case, but you should check it out and undisclosed. That's yeah, devastating a and a mess and also so admirable. I really admire the work that you guys do. If you haven't checked out Undisclosed, the podcast, you must, must, must start with season one if you're a serial fan, but don't stop there because they have so many addendums. They have John Cryer on. It's just awesome, the work you're doing. So thank you for joining me. Thank you for all your help. And when you're ready to tackle that unicorn office, I am here for you. <laughs> <laughs> no judgment. No judgment. 
We'll see. I may just add more colors to it and call it a day. Oh my gosh. Okay. All right. Well, you can lead a unicorn to water, but you can't make her drink. I think that's what we're going to leave on, guys. You've asked for it, and we have answered the call. For years, you've been saying, Betsy, You're talking about all these great design concepts, but we can't visualize them. You're describing the picture that the listener sent in of their problem, and we wish we could see that picture too. After all, a picture is worth a thousand words, and I do my best to describe them, but there's nothing like seeing it for yourself. And that's why Affordable Interior Design, the podcast, now has a YouTube channel. Not only do we have a YouTube channel where you could see recordings and clips of these podcast episodes, we also have an Instagram, a Facebook, and so many other exciting things. You should check it out. Head over to affordableinteriordesign.com slash links. Once again, affordableinteriordesign.com slash L-I-N-K-S links. And when you go there, you will see links to our YouTube page, our Instagram page, our Facebook page, and more. Please check it out, follow and subscribe so you can see everything I'm talking about. A big thank you to our amazing producer, Catherine Heller, to Aton and the MCR House Band, and to Affordable Interior Design, the sponsor of this podcast and the premier place to get an amazing look on a budget. Check out affordableinteriordesign.com. If you guys love the show, the very best way to support us is by spreading the word. Tell your friends or write us an awesome review on iTunes. So until next week, guys, thanks so much for joining us, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye.